Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. I'm Elizabeth Onkink. I'm Andrew Paul. And we're the hosts of the Well Endowed Podcast. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation, or ECF as we call it. ECF provides grants to charities through the endowment funds we create and manage with our donors. Hence the title of our show, The Well Endowed Podcast. Every month, we bring you a collection of stories and interviews with fascinating guests who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. Through these stories, we look at the space where endowments intersect with your communities. So if you're interested in the people and issues impacting your community, check out thewellendowedpodcast.com. How often do your plans go sideways? Um, I am a mom of a relatively new baby. Frequently. I also a mom of a four-year-old. So frequently yeah our plans went sideways today (laughs) it's true uh we had what we thought would be a a fairly solid game plan for the day and uh it didn't work out (laughs) (laughs) nope nope things went sideways before lunchtime and uh didn't really get back on track at all (laughs) not not really no no so yeah guess that that might be kind of a parent thing (laughs) <laughs> Probably. Where, you know, the the best laid plans and all that. Yeah. The younger they are, the more sideways things go, maybe. True. I don't know. My kids aren't older yet. True. I, I bring up planning because uh, plans do not go as expected. In, <laughs> to plan? <laughs> in this upcoming chapter. And uh, a bit of a, a short intro this week, but uh, I mean, this is quite a climactic chapter. Oh. A lot happens. Oh, we have so much to talk about. So uh, we should probably kind of get into it. So uh, a quick recap of chapter 18, in which our team arrives at the beautiful, decadent, elfish <laughs> city of Dolingo. Very creepy, unnerving city of Dolingo. It quickly becomes clear to at least Tracker and Mossy that they're now prisoners in Dolingo. And something is very, very wrong. Yeah. They quickly discover that there is some seriously monstrous slavery going on and decide to do something about it, only to get gassed along with Sudogo. And that's where the chapter ended off, leading us into Chapter 19 of Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. So we open the chapter with Tracker imprisoned in the trunk of one of Dolingo's trees. (laughs) I I was close. I almost, almost called it. I said he was going to be tied up to a chair. He is chained in stone in a tree dungeon. Yeah. That's close. Yeah. And as anybody who's ever played Ocarina of Time can attest, a dungeon can be in a tree. Absolutely. Yeah. You did mention he is shackled with stone, and Tracker realizes that means that somebody has completely sold him out because someone would have had to have told the people of Dolingo that he is immune to metal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your friend and mine, Sogolon the Witch. Yeah. He's quickly approached by the Chancellor, who asks him to give up news about the boy, but Tracker's canny enough to hold his one remaining card close. He's like, no, I'm not going to tell you anything about the boy. 
you bring me Sogolon, I'm going to talk to her. I really like how he called, I don't know if it was calling the bluff or not, but it felt like he was calling the bluff. Where he was like, yeah, bring me the witch or start your torture. Yeah, you're going to have to kill me. Yeah. Because I'm going to just, I'm going to like murder a bunch of the guards who come to restrain me. Mm-hmm. And then you'll never find the boy. He knows. Trekker knows. Yeah. It's his, it's his one remaining card. And he's holding it close, oh, as yeah. I said. This is also worth noting, for the first time all book, Tracker's defiance in the face of authority fits the situation. Right? Like, he's not just being a jerk to an authority figure as a knee-jerk reaction. He has a real justification here. It's true. He's been wrongfully confined. In this case, anyway, he's done nothing wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> he's He is, for once, totally justified. Yeah. He's also totally surprised when, after a moment, the guards escort in Sogolon. Right. And then uh, leave so that the two of them can speak privately. <laughs> he really wasn't expecting to get a chance no. to talk to her. And this goes just super well. Uh, <laughs> it, I would argue it doesn't really go super well for either of them for the most part. It really doesn't. No. Uh, she starts off kind of explaining the lack of children. It turns out the Dolingons are super inbred. Yeah. So much so that they effectively can't breed anymore well they can but it all goes horribly horribly yeah. wrong yeah so instead they've uh, resorted to kidnapping people who pass through so that they can breed new delingans we may or may not have seen evidence of this already yeah for detective mossy there's definitely some weird science behind it and it's explicitly not magic because again the queen said there's no magic going on in delingo no there's definitely some sort of alchemy or something going on though because it's explained that no one is really ever a child. Rather, they're taken into a special part of the trees where they're kind of like grown in an artificial womb until adulthood. Kind of, sort of reminded me of the Matrix. Maybe a little. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. It, it, I realize that's a loose connection, but still. Sogolon then explains that, indeed, it is as Tracker and Mossy suspected last chapter. Uh, the two of them and Sadogo have been basically exchanged for assistance getting the boy to be breeding stock to the Dalingans. Yeah. The tracker is angry. That is putting it very <laughs> politely. He basically is like, you knew this was going to be the case as soon as we found out we needed to go to Dalingo. And she's like, yeah, basically, that was the deal. Uh, this had to be the deal. The Dalingans are monsters. They do not let people pass through their territory. You would have been captured anyway. So I made the best of a bad situation. Yes. Tracker continues to give her lip as she continues to kind of give him a history lesson on Delingo. And Sogolon is starting to get kind of irritated by his attitude here. For the first time all book, he's really starting to get under her skin. Like what? She's expecting him to just roll over and die? Has she not met this man before? Apparently not. It does lead her to go into an angry screed about how men are good for nothing. And she's taken great pleasure for many years, for over 300 years, in burying them and dancing on their graves, basically. Yes. He kind of turns this around on her and points out that, you know, for all your hatred of men, you're going to great lengths to save a boy who's going to grow up to be a man one day and rule this kingdom. You do realize that, right? He's not wrong in pointing out this small hypocrisy. Uh, he's not wrong enough that she changes the subject. Right? Uh, but Tracker pivots the conversation back to her, and she's like, no, we were talking about you. And he's like, no, 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 no. We weren't talking about me. We were talking about basically everything else but yeah, me. You're talking about every other man except me, because obviously she still needs him. She gets to her point, yes. She sold them to Delingo for the boy, but also to get them out of the way, because as she puts it, this 
fellowship didn't even last as long as the start of this adventure. Two people split literally as, as soon as dawn broke. Two more of them couldn't be asked to stick around after you saved their butts in the Darklands, which was a sojourn none of you should have gone on, but you were too pig-headed not to. Here's the thing. She's not wrong about any of that. And yet she is, but we'll get to that. Okay, fine. Her argument at the end is, you, you men keep acting like men, and men aren't good for anything. But, bright side, this is not so bad a fate. Isn't this what all men dream of? You get to be breeding stock to a queen. It's a pretty sweet deal. Gilded cage. Oh, it's like the snoo-snoo scene from Futurama. Goodbye, friends. I never thought I would die like this, but I'd always really hoped. Except that, I mean, Tracker and Mossy and Sadogo weren't sentenced to death by snoo-snoo. No. Tracker says he's the one with the nose she needs, and he doesn't care about the boy or her plans for the kingdom. So she needs to make a real good argument real fast why he should give up that information. Right. And <laughs> you get to be a slave to Delingo and used as breeding stock for the rest of your life. Ain't really selling him. <laughs> you need a much better offer there. So Sogolon explains as patiently as she possibly can that he should care because King Quash intends to turn his armies against basically the world. That includes free people like the Ku and the Gingatom as well, and his Mingi children are as good as enslaved if the king's armies show up. And it's kind of a low blow, and Tracker actually is angry at her when she's done with it. I'm willing to bet that he still didn't care after the coup and the Gingatom comment. I think the, the one thing that she has over him are the Mingi children. Oh yeah, and he, he recognizes it, which is why he actively swears at her after. Oh yeah. She says the future of the world, essentially depends on putting this boy on the throne of the North and restoring the true line. That's going to fix everything. That's going to fix everything. The gods will start paying attention again. The rightful line will be restored. A woman will be in power. It'll be like that scene in The Lion King where everything comes back to beautiful bright colors and everything's peachy again. Exactly. It's bigger than him. It's bigger than her. And she's real disappointed that he can't see beyond his pride and get that. And <laughs> he sees the hypocrisy. He's like, you keep speaking for all women? But it really seems like there's only one woman you're speaking for. Yeah. And he asks her at this moment, how many women have you betrayed to further your plan? And she deflects very weakly. Before the end of this chapter, we'll come to know that that number is very high and includes recent betrayals. Yeah. But he pierces her armor here and says, when I die, how many runes are you going to have to draw to keep my spirit away? And she's actually staggered by that. Right. Like, he's finally pieced it together. The ghosts who've been after you this whole time, it's because you have betrayed so many people to their deaths. That there's an army of, like, ghosts and or undead coming for you. Yeah. There is there is an army of ghosts that could save Gondor, and they're all pointed at you. <laughs> Tracker comes back to the present, though. and He's like, look, the Dalingans are just going to have to kill me. And uh, you're never going to find out where the boy is. And then we're going to have plenty of time to argue about it when I'm a ghost in your head, like all these other ghosts. Yeah. Won't that be fun? We'll have all the time in the world together. <laughs> she tries to keep herself under control here by just repeating her mantra of the fate of the kingdom is bigger than this to try to keep her temper in check because she wants to lash out at him at this oh, moment. So but bad. she can't. She's trying not to raise to his bait, but... Oh, but he's, he's baited her so well. He's bait for the first time all book. He's really gotten under her skin. But 
Unfortunately, in that moment, Tracker is betrayed not by Sogolon, but by himself. Mid-sentence, he catches a whiff of the boy, and it catches his attention, and she instantly and zeroes she, in oh, on yeah, that. She, she knows. knows. Tracker would be terrible at poker. He's, oh, yeah. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Oh, absolutely. Tracker tries to play this off, but she presses. She's like, look, just tell me what you know right now, and I'll see to it that you have the most comfortable, most pleasurable life imaginable in Dolingo. Yeah, you'll be breeding stock, fine, but like, it could be a paradise for you. It could be a great time. Instead, he chooses to make a solemn promise that he will find her and he will kill her, even if it takes beyond his death to do it. Well, because we all know she's full of it, right? Yeah. But she's like, how is that a threat? I'm over 300 years old and I'm still kicking. All of my enemies are already dead. And in the end, even if I die, so be it. The fate of the North is more important than my life. And I hope that you, Tracker, understand that before you die. Is it, though, Sogolon? Is we'll come it, though? Put a pin in that. Sogolon leaves, ordering the guards to get the location of the boy, lest they end up in a dire fate. The guards rough up Tracker and then take him off to get tortured. Yeah. The guards come to rough up Tracker, and he roughs them back. I mean, for a minute. <laughs> and they knock him straight out. Well, yeah, to be fair, it's because he's chained up. Yeah. The torturers he has taken to are a pair of white scientists. That's how they're described. Oh, and they were creepy. Yeah, I'm going to say that they're probably some kind of alchemists because it's implied that the the not magics but the sciences that they work yes the white science have have bleached their skin have bleached their hair it's implied that it may have contributed to some deformities i'm assuming that it's some kind of alchemy could be makes yeah. sense they check him out real quick and promise him a great deal of pain and then gag him. And Tracker is amused initially because he's like, how am I going to tell you anything if you put a gag in my mouth, you idiots? And then things get real creepy. Yeah. Uh, one of the scientists, One-Eye, he pulls off like his cloak and reveals that he in fact has a hideous conjoined twin. And Tracker recoils at this revelation. Well, because he knows what it is. Yeah. Uh, the creature then, like, with a terrible sucking noise, detaches itself from its twin and slithers up Tracker and sticks its fingers up his nose. And Tracker is just racked by agony and blacks out. We should call it by its name, though. But I want to make sure we pronounce it correctly. The bad Ibeji? Yeah, I, I did actually uh, look up what that translates to. Ibeji means twin. Oh, that makes sense. Um, So it's the bad twin. Mm. I'm kind of surprised it doesn't translate to evil twin. Eh, bad, evil. Well, kind of in the same boat here. It, true. The next section is written very interestingly, because I know that I was initially not clear what was going on, because it seemed like Sogolon had come back in the room after he blacked out. Yeah, but she was walking backwards. I was like, well, that's weird. And then it quickly becomes clear that it is the evil twin rewinding his brain. Yeah. It's reading his mind. Yeah, and like sifting through memories yeah, and, and stuff. Yeah, he... he realizes what's going on and he tries to fight it. He tries to bring up other memories and other thoughts and lose his train of thought so that he gets off the subject of the boy. Because again, it's his one remaining card. Right. But the the bad Ibeji just like burns away those memories and keeps probing and very effectively and incredibly painfully, apparently. Oh, yeah. Like it blood and burning and all sorts of horrible smells in his nose. And, and long story short, it gets the information they want. 
in crystal clear detail, in more detail than Tracker even just got from his sense of smell. Something about the power of the the bad twin actually like really gives him a visual of what's going on. Yeah, he knows he knows the house, he knows what it looks like, he knows where it is. Then it just like slithers back off Tracker and suctions back onto its brother. Yeah. And then Tracker passes out. Yeah. Understandably. And, and it's it's a devastating loss. He his last card has been taken from him. Sogolon wins. And he's screwed. And he can't even dwell on it because he's he feels like his brain has been reduced to sludge and well, he just yeah. collapses. Ugh. Ugh. It was creepy. It yeah. was had a physical reaction to it. It was so like visceral. It was it was a very well written Oh very well of, written. Bit of uh prose, yeah. But super creepy. We learn that Tracker now spends three days in a stupor. <laughs> yes. We learn after the fact that he's out for three days. He's fading in and out of consciousness that whole time. He has kind of flashes of people coming to visit him. It's all very indistinct and unclear. Yeah, honestly, I think the best he could do for a while was just be like, ma. And then he starts having a weird dream that involves some slamming sounds. And then it slowly, like, he starts creeping back into consciousness and realizes something's slamming on his cell door. And then Sadogo breaks down the door. Yay, Sadogo! Sadogo bursts into the room armed with both Mossy and Venom. Uh, who are similarly armed. Yeah. And Tracker is confused. He literally, for a moment, he doesn't understand the words that are coming out of their mouths. Like yeah, He's just getting gibberish. Just his, his brain is still scrambled from what's been done to him. He sees Venon break a lock with ease and is like, I've gone insane. Like, this is madness. What is happening? And then Mossy pulls him up and finally says something that makes sense. And that is, the slaves are revolting. <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, that's awfully convenient, isn't it? That was my thought when he said that. I was like, oh, well, that's handy. The timing is certainly good and good enough that I'm wondering if one or more of our heroes behind the scenes was partly responsible for this. It would not surprise me. It's very unclear if that's the case, but the timing is indeed good. Guards pour into the room. And Venon smashes one of them over the head with her club. Sadogo sweeps up Tracker over his shoulder. And the group of them escape down to Buffalo, who's in on this escape plan. Yes. Tracker is essentially Carrie Elwes and the Princess Bride in this moment. <laughs> yes. He, he has just been brought back from being mostly dead. He is physically useless. Like, Mossy is dragging him behind him. Yeah. Tracker is just barely cognizant, and he's like... He's barely making out what's going on around him. I know where the boy is, and we need to get to him. And the others are like... Forget the boy. We need to get out of here. Delingo is literally on fire right now. Yeah. There's a mass revolt happening right yeah. now. Yeah. And Tracker's like, look, despite everything that Sogolon did to us, despite her stupid plan to save the boy, at the end of the day, the boy himself is blameless. And he is still deserving of saving from his fate. And Mossy doesn't have a good answer to that. He's just like... Ah. No, because deep down in his heart of hearts, Tracker has a real soft spot for for kids. Yeah. Tracker makes it very clear, like, I'm not doing this to help Sogolon, but at the very least, at the end of the day, I'd like to return a lost boy to his mother. Venon, who is not Venon, says she'll help. And Tracker's like, who are you really? Yeah. Like, he already knows something's up. Yeah. We, and he finally calls it out here. We had suspected last chapter that Venon was acting strangely because maybe she was being possessed by AC. Yes. Turns out we were half right. Yes. She is being possessed, but not by Ace. Not AC. It's a ghost by the name of Jack Wu. Uh, he is a guardian of a long dead king. 
of uh, land called Omororo. And he is explicitly one of the spirits who wanted vengeance against Sogolon. So this interesting story comes out now. Jakku mentions that he was the spirit who got close enough to her to knock her off her horse a few chapters ago, and that she decided to give him Venon's body to try to appease him. And they're like, well, what what does that mean for Venon? And he's like, oh, that means Venon is dead. She's as good as dead. Yeah, At her... least until she realizes she was also betrayed by Sogolon, and then becomes one of the ghosts seeking revenge against her. One of the many, many... Angry ghosts. Yeah, this body swapping thing that uh, Sogolon did, it's not her first rodeo. No. So this means that when Tracker saw Venon and Sogolon go off on the horse last chapter by themselves into the bush for a while, and then they came back and Venon was being really dismissive and churlish, mm. we now know what happened. Yeah. That was Venon's soul being escorted out the door and another soul being escorted in. And as you pointed out to me, earlier when we were chatting about this, this comes right on the heels of Venon, like, trying to defend Sogolon, like, attacking, attacking Tracker. Tracker. Yeah. Being very devoted to this witch. Yeah. Who then was, like, I just, just I can't ca even. casually sold her off to uh, appease an angry spirit because that was more useful to her in the moment. Ugh. This witch is a horrible, horrible person. We're, we're definitely starting to peek behind the curtain on Sogolon here and see that there is some real hypocrisy at work. Yeah. They see a group of Dalingan nobles fleeing a group of armed slaves who promptly overtake them. And the group kind of makes their way away from the bloody execution which follows. They see one of the great trees catch fire. The gondolas have stopped because there's no slaves left to run them. Right, and the people inside are freaking out. And and leaping to their deaths when they catch on fire. Yeah, it's it's a horror show. Yeah, in, it's not in The beautiful elf-like city of Dolingo is, is basically turning into hell here very quickly. Very quickly. They move to intercept the monster squad and the boy. The good news is Tracker recognizes that the boy was in a house that is on a tree which does not yet seem to have erupted in rebellion. Mm -hmm. They arrive to find a house in disarray. Like, they are in media res. There oh, yeah. are dead guards at the door which has been broken down. It's clear that they have arrived shortly after Sogolon and the guards of Dolingo have arrived at the scene to try to claim the boy. They basically arrived on the edge of the fight. Yeah, and this, by the way is a scene I would like to see filmed. <laughs> the action scene that's about oh, to follow, because it's a pretty spectacular. doozy of a CG fight. Yeah. Um, Mossy lays Tracker aside because he's still Princess Briding, having been mostly dead just a few hours ago. <laughs> the monster squad is clearly on the scene and have been pretty adequately dealing with the useless, pompous, and decadent guards of Dolingo. Yes. Which just goes to show that Sogolon did not pick the winning team. No. It also looks like waves upon waves of them have been sent in after the vampires already. Right, just bodies everywhere. And just have been murdered. Oh, yeah. In my notes, I was like, so off we go, mid-bloodbath. Yeah, like, <laughs> to use some role-playing terms, this is a bunch of, like, NPC followers being sent in, and then the adventure party showing up. Right, yeah. Yeah. The first of the vampires appears to take a run at Tracker, and it's Adzi, uh, who appears as just a swarm of insects. Uh, Tracker tries to fend him off with a torch, and Adzi's like, whatever. And then he overturns a pot of palm oil, like, weakly at the monster, and that actually makes the monster go, ugh, and run away. And, <laughs> oil is bad for my bugs. And he's like, I'm gonna, keep, I'm gonna keep that in mind. So he picks up the torch and the and another bottle of palm oil. 
This is a very rudimentary flamethrower that yeah. he's put together. Uh, when Adzi makes a retreat, because he's like, I'm, I'm probably going to need that. He sees Mossy fending off a guard animated by lightning, so we know the lightning bird is on the scene. Sadogo is fighting something upstairs, he can hear that. So having found his legs and a little bit of his strength, he decides it's time to wade into the fight and help yeah. his friends. It's hard not to hear Sadogo doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> with, with adrenaline animating his limbs, he uh, starts heading upstairs to uh, check out Sadogo and comes face to face with Iloko, the grass troll. Yeah. Uh, Masi intercepts and cuts Iloko down pretty simply, but when Tracker gets through the door into the next room, he realizes there's more than one Iloko. Or Iloko can manifest as multiple little trolls. Yeah, because there's a bunch. Uh, Ven and Jack Wu is pretty ably killing them because Jack Wu was a great warrior in his day. Yeah. Also, he's got, you know, a young, healthy girl body to. <laughs> to use. Yeah. She's she's probably very agile. Well, Ven and Jack Wu is dealing with the loco, Adzi swarms back in at Sadogo. And it's basically a swarm of bugs. It's Sadogo is useless against it. It's yeah. probably the one thing in the world Sadogo's <laughs> useless against. So Tracker throws the palm oil at him. Yeah, he's and like, rub this on your skin. Sadogo's initially like angry, like, how dare you? And Tracker's like, no, no, you <laughs> rub it, rub it's it on. It's bad for the bugs, get it. And indeed it is. Adzi tries to reform clumsily from from this palm oil attack and Ven and Jack who just like smashes it with her club with yeah. their club their club their club yeah. yeah sure the club just like smushes the bugs yeah so they rush into the room where Masi Sogalon the boy and Impundulu are lo all locked in mortal combat the lightning bird is indeed as described an angelic looking creature and has his claws around Sogalon's neck yeah Mossy is clearly unsure how to strike the vampire because he's crackling with electricity. And Mossy's like, I've got these metal swords. This yeah, is not going to go well. If Zelda has taught me anything recently, it's that these two things don't mix. Tracker, in a moment of just pure instinct, throws the torch at Ipindulu. Yep. He feels like there's a trace of memory there. Like he, he knew there was a reason why he needed to do it, but he didn't consciously know. Yeah. So it might have been some Sangoma action maybe, going on there. Maybe, maybe. Ipindulu explodes into flames. <laughs> yeah, who knew? Super Fire flammable. strong against lightning. Quickly engulfed, shrieking, but survives. And so too does Sogolon. Yeah, because he drops her at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tracker sees the boy seeing him from under a chair. And there's a beat where everyone's like, did did we just beat the monster squad? Did, <laughs> did we, we win? Did we win? Was that was that the whole fight? And then Sasaba Sam crashes <laughs> in through the window. Sasamba Sam just knocks down Sadogo and Vin and Jack Wu, bull rushes Mossy and gives him a wicked cut on the face. And then Tracker's like, Sasamba Sam, over here. And the creature turns to face the killer of his brother. Remember me? I don't think he did because he wasn't there. No. Sogolon wakes and finds enough strength to blow them both down with a gust of wind. And Sasamba Sam is able to fight it because he is a large, strong, winged vampire. Yes. And Sogolon has been weakened from her fight with Ipundulu. Well, because, okay, so the Ipundulu had her around the neck. And was about to rip out her Yeah, and heart, had, like, had like clawed into her chest going after her heart. Because so we know that that's a thing he does. Yeah, so she's like crushed and like bleeding profusely from her chest. Yeah. Sasamba so Sam in this moment realizes there's some peril. Takes some in, peril. Takes in the situation, grabs Ipundulu and the boy, and then dives out the window flying away. With that, the vampires, what's left of the monster squad. <laughs> Flap limply away. Because uh, Mossy did get a hit in on uh, Sasamba Sam, yeah. on his wings. So he's he's not crippled, but he's slowed. 
Yes. So they're left in a room full of carnage <laughs> with an injured Sogolon as the trees of Dolingo burn behind them. Quite the scene, I'm sure. And for the first time all book, we see Sogolon truly panicked. Oh, yeah. And she begins to try to bargain with four people who all want her dead for betraying them. Oh, yes. She is. Oh. <laughs> because the Moon Witch has finally betrayed perhaps one person too many. Or just all the wrong people all at once. Oh, for sure. She backed the losing team. She would have been dead had they not arrived on the scene the moment they did. Yep. And she's still mad at them. And this is something that is pointed out to her in this moment. Like, we just saved your life. Oh, this part <laughs> is actually great. I really enjoyed it because Mossy just starts calling her on oh, yeah. all of her BS. She starts out by calling them idiots who lack skill and vision. And Mossy's like, nah, dog, we, we <laughs> clearly have skill because, I mean, we just beat those vampires. We're all alive. And you're alive because we're alive. And all those guards who you brought to capture the vampires, they're not alive. We also have brains. You're the one who couldn't see that. And she's like, I couldn't trust you to get the boy. And Mossy's like, oh, and you, you succeeded without us, did you? Are you holding him so tight right now that we can't see him in the folds of your bosom? Like, yeah. Are you hiding him on that skinny body of yours? Yeah. That's almost exactly the words he used. And I, I'm paraphrasing a little, but I thought it was, it was a, a good way to put <laughs> oh, it. Oh, yeah. She starts calling out for Bunchy to save her, and uh, Bunchy, notable no-show in this moment. Yep. A conspicuous no-show in this moment, in fact. Not a trace. And this is when Ven and Jack Wu offers up a story, saying, you know what? My understanding is the only one who ever tells Sogolon's stories is Sogolon, because no one else seems to be alive to tell anything other than what she'd like you to believe. But I'm here now, and I have a Sogolon story. See, this witch, she's a con artist. And she's spent the last 300 years conning people. That's her deal. Her goddess, is that what she's calling it? Bunshi? She's an imp. She's just a little river demon. You could kill her with a glass of seawater. <laughs> so much for being all powerful. And so, of course, all of our, our party now is like, really? Yeah, she curses Jakku and says, you're just ungrateful after I gave you that new body. Which, by the way, I specifically gave you a woman's body so you could... Suffer all the indignities women suffer. And Tracker actually is like, um, excuse me, lady, someone was using that body before you yeah, gave it to it him. It had an owner Yeah, and she that said, wasn't you. And she protests saying, you know, Venon every morning ran off to try to be troll meat again. So I finally decided to give her body to someone who'd make some use of it. And this is pretty weak. Yep. Seeing as we have seen evidence from previous chapters. We have, number one, we've never seen Venon run off. Since Tracker came back from the Darklands. Nope. And number two, we've seen her actively help and defend Sogolon in yep. that time. So this is real weak sauce coming But I from guess her. Sogolon got bored of that? Maybe. Or just decided that Jakwu would be more useful. Because, as Jakwu points out, has she asked you recently what your use is? Because the only thing she cares about is how people are useful to her because she is a user. Mm. And she has been her entire life. She's pretty terrible. She again pleads with them to go after the boy. And Sadogo is finally the one who lets his soft heart come through. The giant killer man mm. is like, you know, she did betray us, but she hasn't tried to kill us. And Masi is like, yeah, and we do need to go after the boy. Like, we need to get on that yeah. because the vampires are getting away. And she's probably useful. Ven and Jakku at this point is like, no, 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 hold on. That's not my deal. I did not agree to go and save any boy. <laughs> Which is true, right? So Jakku could just take Venon's body and 
off he goes. Yeah, and Tracker's like, look, she might still be useful to us, so if you intend to kill her, you might have to go through the three of us first. Then and Jack, who kind of backs off in this moment, is like, fair, fine. He's a little, he's a little, they, I suppose, are a little upset well, about it. I keep saying really... they, they, because I think Tracker actually starts referring to them as they. Well, because the, it's a man in a woman's body. The book uh, chooses at random between he, she, and they. And maybe, again, because we're we're in a blurred gender territory here. It's a man's soul in a woman's body. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, based on the description that we got earlier, that Venon isn't there anymore. Oh, no. Venon is gone. Yeah. yeah. Tracker takes a moment to attend to Mossy's wounds. And there's actually kind of a tender moment between them here. Oh, nice. Where he, like, rips off a strip of, of cloth and... Uh, wraps him up. Wraps him up. And Mossy's like, this is but a scratch. <laughs> Tis but a scratch. I know. And... Tracker's like, shut up, put this on. Tracker also takes a moment to explain exactly who or what Sasamba Sam is because Mossy's like, you knew that creature's name. What's up with that? Tracker's like, I kind of killed his brother. Ven and Jack Wu takes their surviving horse and rides on ahead and they plop Sogolon on Buffalo. This amused me because Mossy was like, so uh, how far do you think he'll get? And Tracker's like, oh, not very, until he realizes he doesn't know where he's going. Yeah, the Queen's guards take a moment to try to stop them. Like, you don't have permission to leave Dolingo. And they're ah. like, try to stop us. And they just, like, immediately tuck tail and slink away. Right? Which just is a final demonstration of how impotent Dolingo is. And how utterly doomed they are by the slain bro- Oh, bubble. yes. I bet they can't even stop the fire, let alone the slaves. No, it, they're, such, they're such a decadent culture that they can't function. Nope. Their guards, as puffed up and pompous as they are, are useless. Yep. They don't even have practical weapons. No, they're just for show. Yeah. yeah. In, and in this moment, Mossy at one point even says to Sogolon, if you had chosen to go with us to save the boy, we could have fought all of Dolingo and beaten them on the way to the vampires. They wouldn't have been a problem for us. They're useless. It, yes. <laughs> so they begin backtracking toward Congor because that's the direction that Sasamba Sam flew. Yes. They pass by the location of the safe house that they had stayed in when they arrived at kind of the border. Yeah, except nobody notices except Tracker because it's not there anymore. Yeah. Like, he recognizes the smell and the sight. Like, but there's... Sorry, and when I say sight, I mean, like, the footprint of what used to be there. But there's nothing there. Yeah. There's and not he... even... A, there's not a stone. And this is the weird thing. No one else notices it, and Tracker decides not to say anything about it. Well, to be fair... Like, hey, guys, remember there used to be a house here? Let's be fair. He doesn't want to sidetrack them from the... Very pressing chase that they're on. Fair enough, but that feels like something you'd want to point out. They also pass by the site of the witch attack, but despite one of the witches popping their head out to, like, keep an eye on them, they don't get accosted Well, no, the witch shows up, looks at them, and dives right back down again. (laughs) Not taking on these guys again. Yeah. But alas, they are too late. Uh, They arrive back at the site of the magic door that they had already passed through to discover that Ipindulu, Sasamba Sam, and the boy have all... Gone through scarpered it through the gate already. Yeah, and it's closing. And it's closing. More than that, they've already passed through it. And as we know, once you've passed through one of the gates, until you've gone through all of them... You can't go through it again. You can't go through it again or risk serious problems. Yeah. Sogolon is apoplectic. She's like, we got, we were so close and you let them get away. And Mossy's yeah, like... it's not her fault. Yeah, and Mossy's like... Not her fault. Are you, are you serious right now? How did we let them get away? We could have saved the boy days ago, but you sold us into slavery. And then you took a bunch of useless guards to go and save them. How did we do this? And this whole scheme 
starting to seem like it's your whole scheme. Like this is your adventure. And so that means that all this failure, it's on your head, which Ven and Jakwu is like, I'd go through the gate. And the others are like, uh. They kind of have a moment because he, Jakwu, hasn't been through the gate. But Venon has. But the body of Venon has. So who knows? Yeah, they're they're legitimately in this moment. Like we don't Dude, we might don't not work. know if that will work. We don't know if if the soul or the body is the important part of this equation here. Yeah. And <laughs> Venon Jakwu's reaction is kind of like, eh. <laughs> whatever. I'm already dead. Basically, like, yeah. oh well, I'm gonna take the risk, and I wish you well. And they're like, see ya. Yeah, and he uh, he she they pass through the gate. Yeah. Seemingly unharmed. Heads into the void. Yeah. Tracker checks with the party at this point. Mossy, how are you where are you sitting? And Mossy's like, dude, wherever you go, I got your back. And he's like, Sadogo, what about you? And Sadogo doesn't get a chance to answer. We we know Sadogo would, oh, yeah. would have been all, all on board. They're they're bros. But he doesn't get a chance to answer because Sogolon just starts spitting invectives at them again. Ugh. Calls them out for not thinking about anything bigger than themselves. And they, says they were thinking about something bigger than themselves. They were talking to Sadogo. Yeah, and she once again tries to impress on them that the boy is bigger than. And that's the moment when Ven and Jack will reaches back through the portal, grabs her by the hair, and pulls her through. There's a horrible screaming, burning sound, and then she's gone. Vengeance for a life of betrayals appears to have finally caught up with the Moon Witch. What does it mean? It means Omata. It means Rewenge. Her soul is going to have a good time in the afterworld. End of chapter 19. Yep. So a couple things. <laughs> um, this explains why Sogolon was so forthcoming when they arrived at the safe house on the border a few chapters ago and started just telling them everything mm-hmm. because she knew that they were never leaving Dolingo. Yep. Or she believed they were never leaving Dolingo. So it didn't matter at that point. What yeah. They knew. Tell them whatever. Yeah. Also, she needed to get them to Dolingo because at that point Tracker was threatening to leave. Yep. It also dawned on me this chapter, the Monster Squad's MO was flawed in Dolingo. It's a perfect plan to get into people's houses. Yeah. Without raising suspicion. Mm-hmm. Except in Except Dolingo. Except in Dolingo, where a child showing up at the door asking for help is going to cause suspicion. A lot of it. Because there's no children in Dolingo. It's the one place in the world where their plan is supremely flawed. I actually thought of that. Uh, a while ago, I was like, won't they stand out like crazy in Dolingo? Yeah, but they still almost got away with it still. because Dolingo is is just the worst. <laughs> well, it's on fire now, so. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Bunchy. I don't think we're done with Bunchy. Oh, we're definitely not done with Bunchy, but Bunchy didn't show up to save Sogolon. Do you think that Bunchy didn't show up because she knew that the jig was up? Possibly. And was just like, mm I'm not getting involved in that. She might have just been busy. I suspect that Bunchy was was jumping ship. <laughs> I think I think you're more right. <laughs> I think Bunchy recognized that uh, the situation was such that uh, that it was time to maybe pick a different side. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not. I don't think we're done with Bunchy, but I think maybe she realized what was up and cut Sogolon loose. Yeah, and uh, I realized I made a princess bride joke earlier uh, regarding Tracker princess briding being having been brought back from being mostly dead like Cariel was. Mm-hmm. And after I had finished the chapter, it dawned on me that Tracker is also traveling with a skilled swordsman and a giant. Yeah. So oh, we're... he's 100% princess briding <laughs> it through this chapter. They're definitely princess briding right now. It's pretty great. <laughs> Except they've also got Buffalo with them. And let's be fair, Buffalo's going to hang around. Oh, yeah. Pretty I, sure. I hope so. I like Buffalo. Which brings me to kind of my, my second to last point after this chapter, which is... I had said previously that this seemed to be an anti-Tolkien book, and there was a strong case made for how, like, 
fellowships, uh, adventuring fellowships can't really happen, that it was a flawed premise because everybody's too self-invested and selfish to really work together. Yes. But in this moment at the end of the chapter, mm-hmm. we've got a fellowship. They've come together. Yeah. Buffalo, Sudogo, Mossy, and Tracker are bros, and they're willing to see this through to the end because they have each other's backs. Yeah. And they finally cut loose the rest of the dead weight, which turns out had been Sogolon this whole time. The one person who's been constantly saying, we can never have a fellowship because you're all men, was actually the real thing preventing a fellowship from happening. Yeah. My inner feminist is a little bit hurt. I don't think you need to be. Um, and that kind of brings me on to my last point, which was about Sogolon, the character. Mm-hmm. Now that RSVP Sogolon, we can now really kind of take a look into what she was about. RSVP? Yeah, because she's dead. <laughs> RSVP Sogolon. She's not wrong. Well, she's not wrong, but that doesn't mean she's good. She is, like, it's pretty clear she's an extremist. Oh, yes. And she's taken her beliefs too far. As extremists sometimes do. But she has a point, because a lot of the men we've met in this book have been terrible. Yes. And have been terrible people, especially to our protagonist, Tracker. So, again, she has a point. (laughs) The villain has a point. No, like you said, she's not wrong. Like, she's probably been betrayed by men and hurt by men and stepped on by men, etc., 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 etc. And it's all men. Except that it turns out in the end that she has also betrayed and stepped on and hurt Oh, no, that doesn't make her a good person. No, because she's a hypocrite. And that's ultimately the crux of the the issue with her character. And what makes her a really good and interesting villain, actually. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, number one, despite the fact that when we were first introduced to her, she seemed very wise and mystical and powerful. It turns out at the end of the day, she's just a very good con artist. She's a very good con artist. And number two... It also turns out that she is a filthy hypocrite. And a lot of the stuff that she points at other people and says, you're terrible because of this, Sogolon doth protest too much. Oh, yeah. She essentially murdered Venon because Venon had just stopped being useful to her. Yeah, basically. And she or tries to justify it. Or simply wasn't as useful as she was as a vessel for this angry spirit. For Jakwu, who yeah. was a skilled warrior. We had also put a pin in something earlier. Mm. Because Sogolon, at one point earlier in the chapter, says something along the lines of, the the boy's life is bigger than me, and I would be happy to die uh, if it meant saving him. And you were like, really? And I was like, we're going to put a pin in that, because we're going to come back to it here. Okay. And that is that I think she thinks that. It would it would never have to come to that. Exactly. She might talk a big game about it, but at the end of the day, she doesn't trust anyone else to do this, to save this boy. No. So, so her life paramount above all because she is the one that needs to do this exactly in a way for all of her joking about how like there's no such thing as a chosen one and you shouldn't believe any chosen one properties she really kind of thought of herself as the chosen one yeah kind of i don't think that she would have gotten to the point of sacrificing herself for the boy because at the end of the day she would always be like well i can't die because i'm (laughs) the only one who can do this i need my life to fight for this guy exactly uh And I'm sure you and I have talked about this before in this podcast uh, in another book. What makes her a a fairly good villain is that she thinks she's right. Oh, yeah. A good villain thinks they're right. They think they're the good guy. I mean, we could point back to the municipalists a few books ago. She thinks she's the hero of this story. Oh, for sure. Because she is going to save the kingdom by finding this boy, and she's going to step on all these useless men on the way there. Yeah. Which, if anything, just makes her more heroic in her mind. Exactly. Because she's overcoming the patriarchy to do it. 
stupid patriarchy. But again, she's a hypocrite because she does. At one point in this chapter, Tracker actually calls her on it because she's starts being upset that they're offering like Ven and Jack Wu money to help save the boy. And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. For men, it all just comes down to what can personally benefit you. It's never about the bigger picture. And he's like, quiet yourself, woman. Let's not start getting upset about a lack of morals that you yourself never possessed. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is a really wordy way of saying uh, this is the pot calling the kettle black. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So now that we've reached the end of this and we've escaped from Dolingo and off we go again, I still can't help but wonder, where's Leopard? Yeah. I mean, again, we're assuming he's going to come back into play. I kind of half expected him to show up in Dolingo and save their butts. Me too. Like, he, it seemed like Deus Ex Leopard, this would have been a good point for it. But instead, a slave revolt happened. Instead. Unless, unless Leopard had something to do with the slave revolt? Who maybe, knows? Maybe. Again, it was, a, as we pointed out, a very conveniently timed slave revolt. Right? It happened right on the heels of Mossy and Tracker both being like, we should probably help the slaves revolt. So I can't help but wonder if someone in the group helped the slaves revolt. Maybe. I, I have I have in my mind a timeline of events that is plausible. Okay. Which is that Ven and Jakwu, several days earlier, sprung Mossy and or Sadogo and couldn't get to Tracker immediately, partly because Tracker had been knocked out of commission by the... Yeah. By the brain uh, rewind. An unconscious tracker isn't very helpful. Uh, and Mossy and or Sadogo were like, hey, we had a plan to spring the slaves, and that would cause a great diversion to finish this jailbreak. And Ven and Jackwoo was like, let's do it, boss. And they started the, the slave revolt at mm -hmm. that time as a smokescreen for their escape. Yeah, makes sense. And also just to stick it to the man because they really hated Delingo. That too. Yeah. So I'm curious if that might have been something that happened and we'll learn about it later we just there was no time to explain yeah or maybe buffalo did it <laughs> that would be great moving in mysterious ways uh, as buffalo does yeah as buffalo do i don't know i don't know there, there are some questions about the convenience of that slave revolt <laughs> indeed i'm it may or may not come to light we'll see that was a very meaty chapter a lot happened oh yes we we finally had our confrontation with who turned out to be one of the major antagonists of this book yeah one of the party members. Yay! Uh, we dealt with the terrible society that was Delingo, at least in the short term and somewhat. <laughs> and we uh, showed down with the monster squad. So a lot of things came to a head here. Yeah. It was a good chapter to read. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens as we move into chapter 20 of the book. You'll want to read up on that in time for next week. And in the meantime, um, we're part of a podcast network. <laughs> you may have noticed. Yeah. We're also not the only kind of entertainment-themed podcast on the network. And if you're looking for something a little different, maybe check these guys out. Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm Dave. And I'm The Machine. And we do a podcast called Kyle and Dave versus The Machine. It's a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. Although, Dave, you and I tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. Well, it's the machine's fault, like everything, and then by effect your fault, Kyle, that you've invited me, and this is the only thing I like to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to face the apocalypse alone, so you seem like a good patsy to bring along with me. If you wanted somebody that was going to give you some hope, you picked the wrong person. Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network locally grown, community supported. New episodes are out every Friday. Kyle and Dave versus the machine. Podcast about two guys saving the world. 
the only way they know how, by watching movies. Kind of savoring I can get behind. There you go. Uh, you can check them out and all of the other wonderful podcasts on the network right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. You can download them all on your podcatcher of choice. While you're there, maybe give us a little rating and review. That would help us out. We appreciate it. You can also reach out to us via social media if you're inclined. If you're so inclined, we have uh, Twitter. Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the Read Along on most of those. Yeah, we can also be reached via email. We are the Read Along at gmail.com. And with that said, as always and ever, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. Hashtag not all witches. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.